Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Today is September 2nd, and you are indeed Locked On Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I am the site expert and editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And we have finally made it to Friday, the end of the week, and the end of our countdown of the top 25 players in Orlando Magic history. I will have the top five on our list later on in the show. That's called a tease. Uh, we will have plenty, plenty though, happening before then. or we'll talk a little bit about Serge Ibaka and Frank Vogel and how they are going to kind of cement the identity of the Orlando Magic, uh, and I'll then get into the list of the top 25 players. But before we get there, I do want to remind everyone to go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, give us a five-star rating if you would, if you can do that uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Audio Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn. We really appreciate that. Those rankings help us climb uh, the rankings and get out to a larger audience. Tell your friends to listen to the podcast. Uh, we've gotten through kind of the dead points of the NBA offseason. We're gunning closer and closer and closer and getting closer and closer to the beginning of training camp. It's it's coming closer every day, I promise, uh, and things are only going to get better as we get to that point. Some exciting things coming on Locked On Magic and coming on the Locked On Podcast Network as well, so be sure to check that out. We've had some new additions both on the NBA and the NFL side. Any team you're looking for, they there's probably a Locked On Podcast covering them every single day, just like we do here on Locked On Magic. To start things off, though, today I do want to talk very briefly about uh, some comments that were made to L'Equip Magazine uh, in France uh, regarding Evan Fournier and the Olympics. Uh, it's no secret that Evan Fournier is a, is a very patriotic person. Uh, he's played for the French national team almost every summer since coming to the NBA. The last time he didn't play in a tournament for the French national team or in a tournament that, that they needed to play in uh, for Olympics or for Eurobasket or for, for the FIBA World Cup uh, was his rookie year in 2012. He's been a stalwart on that team. He's grown on that team, and he's been a part of some some fantastic teams that have qualified for medals. And it looked like France was, even though they had to go through the Olympic qualifying tournament, was set to qualify for a medal this season. It looked like they were really getting ready to take, they, they were going to continue that step, even with Tony Parker uh, getting up there in age. Uh, adding Rudy Gobert seemed to only make them better. But... Evan Fournier was unfortunately left off the roster, and it was kind of controversial the reason why. Um, Fournier was a free agent this summer. As we all know, he signed a nice contract with the Magic, five years, $83 million, I believe, uh, somewhere in the $80 million range. Uh, and he, the qualifying tournament was going on July 4th, very early in July, right when his free agency was going on. And well, Nicholas Batum did go over and play for France during the during the Olympic qualifying tournament, Fournier opted to protect himself a little bit and 
wait to see if the team would make the tournament, make the make the Olympics, and then get called up to the team then. At his at his introductory press conference after signing his contract in early July, he said he still hoped to play for the Olympic team, and every indication was that he would join the team in Rio. That didn't happen. Vincent Collet, the head coach of France, decided uh, to only bring Gobert. He he said at the time that he was uh, he was comfortable with the guards he had and wanted to reward them for their strong play, and they did play very well at the Olympic qualifying tournament. The fact of the matter is, though, they did not play well at the Olympics. Uh, Antoine Dio uh, struggled a lot, uh, as did um, t- uh, Thomas Hurdle actually played pretty well. Antoine Dio really struggled, and, and France bowed out in the quarterfinal round and really could have used Fournier uh, as a boost offensively, as someone who has proven himself in the NBA, is a good shooter, can relieve some of the ball-handling duties from from Tony Parker, and can play some three and slide Batum down to the four if possible. It was very clear that Fournier was frustrated uh, with this decision, and, and the way that decision went down is frankly a little embarrassing for the French national team. Uh, Fournier told Equip magazine uh, in France that he was extremely disappointed not to be playing in the Olympics, uh, and and he hated not being there. I mean, again, how many Olympics does a player get in his career? Maybe two, maybe three. This is one. And for a player like Fournier, you expect him to be part of the team in Tokyo if talent means anything. Uh, but this was a, a big hit uh, for him. Uh, Fournier, Fournier told uh, L'Equip that, uh, that, that the French national team really showed him a, lot, a, a, a lack of respect. Uh, what, what ended up happening was they only traveled to Orlando once to talk to him about it, telling him when the qualifying dates were. He was never told that missing the qualifying tournament uh, would jeopardize his Olympic situation. And Fournier said he instructed his agent to finish contract negotiations up quickly so that he would be eligible, so that he could begin focusing on playing for the national team uh, and being ready for Rio. Uh, he didn't want this lingering about, and he wanted it done so that he could uh, he could play. Uh, it's certainly uh, uh, frustrating. Uh, that's, that's certainly frustrating because Fournier said he turned down more money to stay with the Magic, and, and I don't think that changes any feelings, but certainly the speed at which he, he, re, he agreed to a new contract uh, was, was partly motivated by his desire to try and play uh, for the Olympics and be ready for, for that, for that uh, tournament. Um, and Fournier should have been there. We all saw it when we watched France play. He should have been playing for Le Bleu and would have been would have had a really stellar stellar tournament run, I believe. Um, it's certainly frustrating. Uh, the lack of communication, it's just not the way to handle a, a player who has grown up in that system, wears that jersey with a lot of pride in. And I know, I know Fournier, Fournier is very proud of his French heritage, um, and, and he expresses that through playing for the national team and, and and, and through some other ways as well. Uh, and I, I know if I were a player, I'd be very frustrated with the lack of communication, uh, the, the lack of kind of... Uh, respect may be the wrong word, um, and, and certainly le- the, 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 what I'm quoting is, is a translation, so it may not be exact, too. Um, if you know French, uh, I, I highly advise you, you check out the link on orlandomagicdaily.com to the original source. Um, but it was certainly a, a frustrating time for Fournier, uh, the good news, if for the Magic at least, is he gets that time. He had that time to work on his own game, to, to recharge the battery. Um, he's back in Orlando already. He was at a, a Magic Fit uh, event in College Park uh, on Wednesday. 
Uh, and so he's, you know, he's he's readying himself for the season, a season that we expect him to be very, very important and have a, a key role in as well. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Speaking of that key role, that the, the big roles for the Orlando Magic uh, in this upcoming season will be from two of their biggest newcomers, really three of their biggest newcomers. And, and I wrote a pretty lengthy article about this, about how the Orlando Magic have secured their identity. We've talked about this so many times. We've talked about it all over and over and over again. The Magic have really worked to have a defensive identity and an identity built on versatility. That's something Rob Hennigan's talked about for four years now. Uh, and they've never been able to establish it. It's just never quite come together. Now it, now it appears the Magic have forced it on this team and they've built the personnel that, that seems like it's going to bring the defensive mentality and the defensive focus uh, that they've been looking for for the last four seasons. How did they do this? Well, they brought in a coach in Frank Vogel who has never coached a team that's been worse than, what, what sixth or seventh in defensive rating in the league? That's a big reason why his team has made the playoffs. They were juggernauts defensively. Now, how are you going to do that with the Magic and, and this Magic team? Like, like I said in comparing Vogel to Skiles earlier in the week, Skiles had much the same promise. He's had top defenses. He's turned around teams and made them deep strong defensive teams, and he couldn't do that with this group with the Magic. Well, the Magic made sure they took care of that by going out and acquiring Serge Ibaka, a three-time NBA all-defensive first-team player, and the quote-unquote power forward unicorn that the Magic have all, have been seeking to pair with Nikola Vucevic. If Serge Ibaka is unable to cover the mistakes that Nikola Vucevic makes defensively, there may not be a power forward that can. Uh, as... Zach Harper of CBS Sports noted earlier this week in an article that, that we cited of cited on RolandoMagicDaily.com, uh, Nikola Vucevic was not a strong rim protector. That, that doesn't take a rocket science, scientist. But Serge Ibaka was one of the best rim protectors in the league, even from the power forward position. Even with the defensive numbers that, that we've seen kind of track down, downward in the last few years, Serge Ibaka still put up good defensive numbers, was good at, at protecting the rim when he was around it, and good at you know, was a net positive on the defensive end, a, a, a huge net positive on the defensive end. Serge Ibaka has been all about defense. That's that's something that he said repeatedly uh, in his press conferences, in his uh, in his in his availabilities when he's been talking about his future role with the Orlando Magic. He wants to be a strong, strong defender and and really anchor a strong defensive team. And so now the Magic have two pillars, two proven pillars to build their defense around. And then they go out and get Bismack Biombo, of course. There is no doubt in our minds, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that the Magic are aiming to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. They see that as their ticket into the playoffs. It, it's it, I, I've gone over it a lot throughout the summer. 
by making the moves they made this summer. And certainly the Scott Skiles resignation was, was, a, was perhaps a happy accident. But Rob Hennigan went out and specifically targeted, targeted players. Victor Oladipo is a fantastic defender. But rim protection was a clear weakness. And the Magic went out and got two of the best rim protectors in the league. Bismack Biombo, uh, in that Zach Harper article, uh, isn't too shabby himself. So to hear defense be the focus, to really be the focus, and not just be a focus of, you know, this is who we want to be. They've got players now who've proven that they can, they can be this type of player, that they can, they can help found this type of team and found this type of culture within the Magic. That's a big sign of what the Magic are trying to do and what the Magic have really felt like they've established. You know, I ran the quote yesterday from Kevin Pelton about what the Magic did and and, and why expectations kind of still seem to be that they'll stagnate at around 35 wins. And, and I certainly have my questions still. It's clear to me what the Magic have done. It may, have, it may be imperfect. The pieces may not fit perfectly yet. But the Magic are fully committed to being a defensive team. If you do not play defense well, you will not start. Nikola Vucevic, I mean, Nikola Vucevic deserves to be the starting center. He deserves to see if the Serge Ibaka thing can work. But if he can't play defense, if the Magic don't play good defense with him there, they'll have to move on because they don't have the time. They don't have the time to afford to wait to see who whether he will work and fit in that role. The Magic need to be a top defense. They've made that clear with their moves this summer. They've made that clear with what they kind of what it seems like they view as their ticket into the playoffs. They've made that clear with the talk that they with what they what they, what appears they've told the players and what they've told the media. We are going to be about defense. We are going to be a strong defensive team, and everything will be built out of that. They have that potential. We see it. Aaron Gordon is already a fantastic perimeter defender. Alfred Payton, we believe, has defensive potential. He showed it his rookie year. He didn't show it last year. Serge Ibaka is one of the top defenders in the league. Bismack Biombo is one of the top defenders in the league. Jeff Green had a bad defensive year last year, but he's been a, at least an average defensive player throughout his career. The Magic have, shown, have, have clearly put defense as their focus, and if you're not going to be able to play defense for this team and, and help this team be a top defense in the league, it's tough to see, see them having a future on this team in the short term, much less the long term. So, uh, that's where I that's where I stand on that. That the Magic are truly all about defense now. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is nine ninety-nine, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only twelve ninety-nine. Buy one get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. All right, on to today's main event. The top five in the Orlando Magic Daily Top 25 list of the all-time greatest players of all time. Remember, you can check out the entire list up on orlandomagicdaily.com. It was a five-part series every day this week, so you can check that out there. You can also... uh, 
listen to the past podcasts that we've had uh, throughout the week this week on Locked On Magic. Spoke to David Iwanowski yesterday for number 6 through 10. Spoke to Spencer Henderson for 11 through 15. I thank them for coming on the podcast. But I'm manning the ship alone today for the top five. I think you know the top four. Uh, We left off with Nick Anderson at number 6. A surprising uh, entry there. Uh, And I think... You know, one of our panelists—I won't name who—left him off off the off his list for some reason. I guess uh, there's still some bad feelings over the 95 95 thing, 95 team, and I would personally put Nick Anderson at number five if it were just my list. Uh, but number five on our list is Hito Turkaloo. Say what you want about Hito Turkaloo, and especially his second stint with the Magic. Say what you want about the inefficiencies that that came with his his game, and 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 even some of the struggles he had in his first few years with the Magic. Hito Turkoglu is an essential player in the story of the Orlando Magic. He he may not be, as, as Darway Chen writes in his write-up on orlandomagicdaily.com, part of the Orlando Magic Mount Rushmore, but he is certainly, certainly a key figure in Orlando Magic history. And it's really for one, for really for, for two seasons, uh, uh, the 2008 season was when he really had his breakout. He won Most Improved Player that year. Uh, was nearly an All Star, and and really, you know, when him and Stan Van Gundy just clicked. Van Gundy turned him into a point forward, put the ball in his hands, let him run pick and rolls, and unlocked the Magic offense. He was just such a skilled passer, uh, and in that that pace and space offense that the Magic ran, where they spread the floor around Dwight Howard, that was absolutely critical to the team's success. Turkoglu then became a, a cult hero in the 2009 playoffs, of course. He hit the game-winning shot against Philadelphia. He had a triple-double against the Celtics in Game 7. Uh, he hit big shots uh, against the Cavaliers. Um, he had a big block in Game 2 of the NBA Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. The Magic don't get to the Finals without Hito Turkoglu. Certainly, since Jimmy Nelson went down and they needed someone to be on the ball, Turkoglu was someone they could trust. And he was never the most efficient player. Certainly never the most efficient player. And that was a constant source of frustration. He'd take back bad shots sometimes. But you lived with that because he gave you so much good at the end. And the Magic got the best out of him in that 2009 Finals and that 2009 playoff run. And, and certainly um, that was the height of, of his play. Uh, personally, I think five is a little high for him. Like I said, I'd have Nick Anderson ahead of him. I'd probably have a few other players ahead of him too. And, and I'm curious how much recency bias plays into this and, and just the memory of that 2009 playoff run its run helps him out uh, among our panel. Uh, Turkoglu's range was, was pretty wide, the high of 6, low of 11. Uh, but Turkoglu is certainly a player that we, we cannot neglect um, in, the magic, in Magic history. He is an essential player to Magic history and, and someone that you know we have to use as part of the way we tell, we tell the, our story about our franchise. The top four players, though, I think are undisputed. There is, among the four, I mean, I think every single person on the Orlando Magic Daily panel for this for this project had the same top four in different orders. The, how you rank order them is completely subjective, of course, but there's no doubt the four, Dwight Howard, Shaquille O'Neal, Anthony Hardaway, Tracy McGrady, are the top four players in Magic history. They define their generations of Magic basketball. And so I'll begin with number four. Tracy McGrady does come in at number four. Certainly some argument 
for him to be up at number three. Uh, maybe maybe number two. Someone did have him at number two. I'll, I'll leave that debate for another time. But McGrady comes in at number four by our panel. Probably the best scorer in Magic history. And, and you know, if there's one quibble with him, it's that he never had playoff success. His team's never had much success. But Tracy McGrady was the best scorer in, in Magic history. He averaged 32.1 points per game in a season. He led the league in scoring twice. Every se- I mean, the 2004 season was, was a complete unmitigated disaster, and yet Tracy McGrady made it worth it to come to the stadium every, every night because you never know when he's going to put up 62 points. You never know when he's going to put up 52 points in three quarters. You never, you never knew what he was going to do, and he was just a savant at scoring. I mean, it was just so easy for him. And that was his one skill, and he was a really complete player who couldn't show off the, the rest of his game because he just had to carry the magic on his back so much. Um, that part is very frustrating. Uh, that's the frustrating part about Tracy McGrady's career with Orlando is that he just could not get over the hump, and, and it wasn't his fault, and, and to some extent it wasn't the Magic's fault because Grant Hill was just hurt. But McGrady was just brilliant player, has a seminal player in my life. I grew up watching him. I was I was in middle middle and high school uh, when he was on the Magic, and I learned a lot about basketball watching him play. And again, every night you knew you were going to get something special from McGrady. He made twenty points look ridiculously easy. He made thirty points look look even easier, uh, and was just again the best scorer in Magic history. There's there's nothing more that needs to be said. Number three on our list is Anthony Penny Hardaway. Truly one of the most unique players in NBA history, if not Magic history. He was a six foot seven point guard with speed, athleticism, uh, an ability to get to the basket at will and finish over people at the point guard position. There weren't a lot of guys like that. He was just kind of like Magic Johnson and, uh, and Oscar Robertson on steroids in some ways. Um, maybe his assist numbers weren't, weren't high enough, so maybe that's uh, overplaying it a little bit. But Penny really was a truly special player, the, the perfect complement to Shaquille O'Neal. Um, he's a guy everyone could relate to very, very easily. Um, he was unselfish as a player, but but had that fire within him. And we really saw that after Shaq left, and when, when Shaq wasn't wasn't playing even. Hardaway just took over games with his scoring ability, and, and him and McGrady might very well be the two best perimeter scorers in the Mag- in Magic franchise history. I mean, I don't, I don't think you can argue with that. Penny Hardaway sing- single-handedly kept the Magic alive in the— uh, 1997 NBA playoffs, they fell down 2-0 to Miami, and he had back-to-back 40-point games to win games 3 and 4 to force a decisive Game 5 at the old Miami arena. Uh, the The Heat ended up winning that game, but the Magic certainly uh, put, you know, put their, uh, you know, put their, put their, you know, push the number, the second-seeded Heat to the brink in the best-of-five series. Uh, and Hardaway did that a lot of it on his own, and and he was clearly you know a, an all timer uh, for the Magic at least uh, an All NBA player in '95 and in '96, uh, a guy that many people thought was going to take the take the reins from Michael Jordan when he retired, and unfortunately for Hardaway, injuries began to sap his career and and, and kind of killed his relationship with the fans here in Orlando in some ways. I think Magic fans thought he wasn't trying hard enough to get back uh, onto the court, and it was frustrating watching a player who flew to the basket and got into the lane so easily just be betrayed by his body. And and that that's going to be the frustration of Hardaway's legacy. Um, it's going to be easy to forget him because he wasn't on 
an all-time great team, and he wasn't a, a, a star that shined for a long time. Uh, but he was truly one of the very, very special players in Magic history, and uh, one of the best players in Magic history, obviously. Probably the best point guard in Magic history. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, uh, number three, I think, is exactly where Hardaway should be. Uh, you know, you can argue him and McGrady, obviously, but uh, he is truly a special player and, and doesn't get nearly the, 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 the respect and, and attention that he deserves sometimes. A player, though, who always gets attention um, and certainly respect as well is number two on our list, Shaquille O'Neal. That's right, we have Shaq at number two. Uh, the guy that put Orlando on the map. His scoring numbers were obviously robust. Um, he was averaged, I think, 27 points per game uh, one year. Uh, was was a high-volume score for Orlando coming out of the post. A very, very efficient uh, player. But what makes Shaq unique to me, what really, what, what when I think of the Orlando Magic version of Shaquille O'Neal, I, I think of this player who has this intense innocence almost. He was just out there having fun. It was like an extension of college. And the Magic were a young team, and they were all growing up together. Uh, and Orlando was the perfect place for him to, to get his start. And, and, and you know, both were, were kind of too young for the moment, perhaps in 96, and certainly in, in perhaps in 95 as well. Uh, but O'Neal just had this enthusiasm about him that, that fit perfectly with the energy of this young franchise. Uh, and you know O'Neal obviously became a dominant force in the NBA. It's it's hard to hard to not talk about him. But the the, the O'Neal that we got in Orlando is a much more athletic O'Neal, a much more mobile O'Neal, a guy who could run the floor uh, and beat everyone down the floor at you know what seven two three twenty or some something like that. Um, he was a guy that just there there was no player like Shaquille O'Neal. There's no player like young Shaquille O'Neal. And everyone remembers the big Shaq that that you know, was a black hole of defensive attention in L.A. and won championships in L.A. In Orlando, he had all that attention. You know, you had to you had to pay attention to him from his rookie year on. Uh, but he also had this athleticism, this, this, you know, this ability to just beat more mobile centers down the floor and just still have that size to bully people. He was just the, com- he was the complete package as a center. Um, and he lost some of that, I think, in Los Angeles. Even as he continued to dominate, he became a different player. In Orlando, though, it was all this energy, you know, pent up and bursting forward for the team. And the Magic took advantage of that and, and certainly had uh, one of its best runs in franchise history. And, and O'Neal put them on the map. Uh, there's no doubt about that. O'Neal made the Magic a legitimate NBA franchise and gave them their first taste of success. And... Um, obviously, the team is is not going to forget that or regret that. Um, they're 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 very proud of uh, of O'Neal and, and and what they what they did with him, even if the the breakup was a little bit messy. Number one on our list, though, is uh, you guessed it, Dwight Howard. A near unanimous decision among our panel. Um, I think the longevity that Howard had, the fact that he's on probably the best Magic team of all time, uh, got you know got to the finals, was the anchor of the most sustained. Uh, success in franchise history certainly played a role. Uh, Dwight doesn't have the offensive numbers to match Shaq, uh, and certainly Shaq had a bigger impact overall on the franchise. Um, part of the reason Dwight was gone, or, or the way the Magic handled Dwight's departure, was because of Shaq uh, to begin with. 
But Howard, to me, really... I, I would certainly keep Howard as the number one player in Magic history. The longevity does do it for me. He's the all-time franchise leader in points, rebounds, and blocks. Uh, he was just such a force defensively. I, I, I Shaq was no, was never the force defensively that Dwight Howard was. And the Magic built a team without another star. And, and yes, Jameer Nelson and Rashard Lewis were all-stars in 2009. But they were never really like consistent star players. The Magic built a team with tons of flaws that no one believed could win a championship and, and built a philosophy because Dwight Howard was able to anchor the team defensively uh, and really offensively even with, with his limited post game. Uh, I have never seen NBA players looking around the paint the, sa- the same way they did when Howard was at his best. When Howard was at the peak of his powers, LeBron James was afraid to go into the paint against the Magic. And that's not something you should forget. That's not something anyone should forget. He really was a transformative player in Magic history. Not not just a transformative player, but a player that was the best at his position and was truly unique in the league. There's no one that had a player like Dwight Howard. His athleticism his defensive instincts, uh, his ability to recover on pick and rolls, his ability to run to the rim and dunk, and just his athleticism. I mean, there was no player like him. And I think the narrative on him is unfair to his legacy. In Orlando, he was truly a top player in the league, one of the best players in the league, arguably a player you could throw into the LeBron conversations because of the impact that he had on the defensive end. He's not better than LeBron. Let's not kid ourselves. But, you know, he should have won MVP. He probably should have won MVP over Derrick Rose in 2011. Um, he probably deserved more respect from his peers than he got. And or he certainly deserved more respect from his peers than he got. Uh, and, you know, he deserved the handover foot treatment that the Magic tried to give him uh, when, it, when it came to the end. And certainly fans showed their appreciation for him continuously during that season. Obviously, those wounds are still very fresh. And uh, Dwight Howard ended up finishing third in the Orlando Magic in the OrlandoMagic.com poll with Shaq and Penny coming one and two. And, you know, I think some of that is fans are still a little sore over the way Howard left the team and, and kind of strung things along that last year. But when you look at Howard's play the seven year, the eight years that he was in Orlando, there was nothing but good play. He was a double-double machine from the moment he stepped into the league as an 18-year-old. It took him a while to find his offensive footing, but when he found it, he was a really good offensive player. He didn't need an advanced postgame. The moves that he had worked fine. And the Magic never quite put the pieces together around him to to get over the hump and win the title. They got really, really close. I would still argue the 2010 team was the best team in Magic history. Um, The 2009 team was the first team to win a finals game. Howard was still a very, very good player. And again, one of the best defensive players I have ever seen. And 
I think he's certainly worthy of being the top player in Magic history. And so we'll close out this top 25 list congratulating Dwight Howard, the best player in Orlando Magic history. Do you like our list? Do you hate our list? We want to know your thoughts. Feel free to send us a tweet uh, at omagicdaily. That's the best way to reach me on Twitter. Uh, leave You can leave a comment over on orlandomagicdaily.com or send us an email at uh, to the to, to the podcast at omagicdaily at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to leave, you know, maybe I'll do a reaction segment uh, on Monday um, uh, over the list or, or sometime next week. So tag your tag your tweets locked on magic hashtag locked on magic. Let us know what you think about our list of the top twenty five players in Magic history. It's been a really really fun project. I want to thank our panel for submitting and and participating in this. It was. Uh, I think a really fair, fair list of some, some, there's certainly some things you can argue about, certainly some, some, uh, spots that you can argue about, but, but that's the point of this thing is to, is to, is to make these arguments and, and, and see, see what people think. Um, surely the list will change as, you know, maybe we expand and, and revisit it again next year or in a few years, but, uh, had a lot of fun doing this. I want to thank you all for listening, uh, to, to the podcast and, and participating in it as well. I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say about our top 25 list. Be sure to remember to download Locked On Magic every weekday. We're on iTunes uh, as well as Audio Boom and Stitcher. Uh, best place to listen to us there. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us a comment. Let us know uh, how much you like the show and let your friends know about the show as we get closer and closer to the NBA season. It'll be here before you know it. Also, be sure to check out the other Locked On podcasts. Uh, Locked On, insert team name here. Uh, for the best uh, analysis and coverage of all the te- of pretty much every team in the NBA now and many of the NFL teams as well. The NFL season is right around the corner as well. Today was the last day of preseason games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so uh, that is, uh, that's, that's also very exciting. Uh, and uh, that'll do it for this week, I guess. Uh, we'll be back again. I- I'm planning on doing a Labor Day show, but, but don't hold me to it. Uh, you know, Labor Day is Labor Day. And, um, of course, I do also want to say to those that are living in Florida, especially those in the Panhandle and North Florida area, Jacksonville, uh, even Tampa on the West Coast, uh, please be safe out there uh, today. um, I'm recording this on September 2nd uh, in the evening or early morning. Uh, Orlando seems fine. We haven't had too much rain or or wind gusts yet, but, you know, Tropical Storm and now Hurricane Hermine is reaching shore in Florida, so everyone, please... Be safe. Uh, be ready uh, for for hurricane. We we kind of take them for granted in Florida because we, we live with it so often, and and our state does a good job with with hurricane preparedness. Uh, but be sure to be safe. You know, don't don't take it for granted. Don't uh, don't overlook overlook it. Um, just be prepared. Be prepared if, if you can, uh, and uh, stay stay safe. And, and we'll see you all Monday here on the Locked On Magic Podcast. You are locked on magic. Your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. 
Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.